Hey, thanks for downloading or streaming Take Back the Day. You're awesome. And if you haven't subscribed to us yet, check us out on iTunes or Stitcher or Overcast, basically anywhere where good podcasts enter ear holes. You can search for Take Back the Day, subscribe to us, and every time we put out a new episode, it'll just magically appear in your world. But, you know, if you prefer streaming us on SoundCloud or downloading a file and fucking cutting it to vinyl, that's cool too. However you're listening to the show, we're supremely grateful. And now... So, Sam. So, Simon. Right now. Yes. You're in a room that has what I would call a moderate amount of light. Yes. Let's, you know, just not overstate it. And... Some nice drapery. It's a quite a nice room. It has lots of books. That that's always. A it has thing. a lot of books, yeah. and it has acceptable furniture. Yes. And and how do you feel in this space? I feel very relaxed in this space. Do you think that the space has anything to do with that? <laughs> well, science would indicate yes, probably. And do you think that this is perhaps the worst introduction to a conversation <laughs> on th- the internet? I like how I like how smooth you are about this, and not obvious about <laughs> the thing we decided we would maybe talk about today. <laughs> Yes, because we don't usually make these decisions. Yeah, it's more just like whatever mm-hmm. we have to be thinking about. I mustn't Need to play be with my. When we do. I mustn't play with my press stick because it's going to make a noise. Do you know that press stick is a is is an almost uniquely South African thing? What mm-hmm. everyone else calls a blue tack. Blue tack, but blue tack isn't like press stick. How's blue tack gets it gets hard on the wall like a plaster. Right. You can only ever really use blue tack once. Huh. They've probably moved on from blue tack since nineties ninety seven when I discovered it in America. But uh-huh. I'm guessing. Because back then, Prestik was the shit. Yeah, Prestik is still the shit. When you told people you're coming to visit them from South Africa, they were like, I'd like some Biltong, some Mrs. Ball's chutney, and some Prestik, please. I did not know that at all. You know, it's probably also heavily toxic and was banned in those other countries. (laughs) That's why they (laughs) didn't have it. It is a magical substance. I find that I play with it the whole day. It's becoming like a stress ball thing. Uh But this thing about space is interesting. So... Um, there are people who say, <laughs> there are people who say that uh, the lighter a room is, the more creative your thinking tends to be. So that critical, deep thinking work is actually better done in the dark. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But big blue sky thinking is best done where you can actually see a sky. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I buy that, but you know, it's pro- the interesting thing to me is that as a human being, we have this we have this kind of guilt that we've evolved Mm -hmm. about how everything is our fault like when you feel shitty it's your fault Mm. like something's wrong Mm. what's wrong princess (laughs) and um and so often like we're feeling crappy at work we're Mm. unable to function and we think that it's because of something inside of us when really like you know it's the the crappy down no, you see, I think it's exactly the opposite, though. I no. think what happens is you're feeling a little bit like procrastinating and you're like, oh, but it's like the feng shui. If only I fixed the feng shui in the room and moved the plant into the zone of concentration, then everything would be fine, shua. Um, and actually, I think routines and the internal like body chemistry stuff that you have more control over are actually way more important in general than where you are. Okay. But, but maybe I'm wrong. So it's probably both then. Maybe both. It, it may well be both. Hey. <laughs> like all these things. Like I do like that um, saying from that very smart guy whose name escapes me. Yeah. Of, um, you, don't, you don't follow your passion. You bring it with you. Oh, that's a really lovely saying. Because... Yeah, there's truth in 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 what you've just suggested. So, that we like to blame external circumstance for our shittiness. Right. Um, so there was this amazing 
New Yorker piece I was reading this morning. I'm actually trying to get the name because yeah, you're also very far away from the microphone. Sorry, there was right this now. amazing New York piece, and it was hilarious. So I'm going to find it quickly. Okay. My lap. I will bring my passion in the form of my laptop to my lap, where I can where you can search for things. No, anyway. So it was this great piece about this. uh, It was like a little profile of one of these douchebag people who is like his job title. So he works for AOL, and his job title is something like future oracle of trends or something visionary yeah he's like their visionary guy Uh everybody needs one (laughs) apparently all he does is like walk around into ceo's offices and he's like oh oh why is there a desk in here there should be four armchairs Hmm. Uh, and so he just redecorated the office of the ceo of aol because he's like oh well visionary guy said i should but that's Um, uh, that's but now people come to his office and they're like but where do i work (laughs) (laughs) but that's what that's a thing with big uh, corporates at the moment is you hire people they call themselves consultants but really their uh, job is to tell you how stupid you are yes. it's like the 21st century version of a court jester <laughs> you know just things are getting a bit serious yes won't somebody come and just shake things up a bit don't disagree with me because then you're fucking fired yeah but you know just maybe tell me i'm stupid and right. and change something in my environment yeah, yeah. or something yeah Huh. Oh, and you have all these design firms. And this is the thing with all these like new, young, hot companies with all the hipsters working at them, like, you know, the building we're in at the moment. Yes. Like, you know, people spend a lot of money on designing spaces that, yeah, yeah. you know, allow for like accidental bump-ins to each other. Always around the bathroom is always the theory. Well, but because like, they ever think, has a good conversation when you're like, oh, awkward. Did that guy just hear me take a crap? <laughs> they buy into the Steve Jobs myth of him yeah. designing the Pixar building right. to have the bathrooms in the middle to encourage. Right. Yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. happening with yeah. people yeah. in a place. Yeah, I'm sure that was the only reason that worked. But I do think it's important. I do think that, like, yes, you should bring your passion with you. Mm. Stop being a miserable fuck. Like, you can be happy doing anything. Yes. Etc. Yeah. True. Yeah. Also true, um, the world is going to impose itself upon you. And some <laughs> of that is going to have an effect on your mood slash performance right. slash whatever. Uh, and you may not even know it's happening. Mm. Like it might be a low retrograde hum. Mm. I don't know what that means, but let's suppose such a thing exists, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's that's there. I'm sure and, there's an app right now. And you're not conscious of it, but it's it's just it's just pissing you off yeah. at a primal level. So like, and you cannot unleash your awesomeness upon that spreadsheet you're making yeah. right now. So like because fluorescent lighting. Like fluorescent goddamn Dude, lighting. Worst invention. But you're not conscious of the fluorescent goddamn lighting <laughs> upsetting you. Yeah, you yeah. just know you're upset. So I think though sometimes those things that do affect you are not the things you necessarily notice. So I'm a, I think I've spoken about it before, but um, there's this great blog I read called Barking, Barking Up the Wrong Tree, uh-huh. which is this guy who reads psychology journal articles every day and like publishes a little snippet, but very readable, really lovely. Um, and there was this thing about um, how psychologists have a theory of body, like body mirroring or body doubling or whatever, yes. where you unconsciously mimic the behavior of other people around you, which is one of the reasons that people think people are so much more productive in coffee shops, because there are other people around you looking at laptops. So Another myth. Yeah. That okay. people are more productive in coffee shops. Yes. You don't believe it. Well, I, I, it may be true. I'm, I'm very productive. I haven't shops. seen a random study about it. Yeah. Me neither. But the guy on Barking Up the Wrong Tree totally did. So, okay. Yeah. I like how people are reduced to guys <laughs> and that smart person the guy, on our that podcast. Dude, that dude. It's a, an appeal to authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's And, true. you know, it must be. So there was a great, I was, we were talk, you were talking about a blog. And so I remembered a blog. A blue. Um, somebody's a got a Tumblr called But Where Do They Work? Uh-huh. 
Um, and basically what they do is they do tours of all of the top, um, you know, Silicon Valley, yeah. like startup-y internet companies yeah. and who love to show you their magnificent offices where they've got the beanbags and the football tables mm, mm. and the free energy drinks on yeah. tap and a fucking tank of mermaids, etc. Yeah, yeah. um, and then they go, okay, but can we see where you actually work? Right. And they're like, but what do you mean? This is where we work. <laughs> work is play. No, show me your desk. Yeah, and yeah. then they always inevitably <laughs> Little cubicles. get schlepped off to some boring open plan like workspace <laughs> oh, with semi-cubicles. Uh, but also like, so the company that I worked for for a while in San Francisco was one of those companies that was like, they'd read a book about Silicon Valley culture and they were like, cool, we need to have the bean bags and we need to have a sand pit filled with nutmeg that kids can go play in and the kids are our, or the people who work for our company or whatever. Um, but And they had everything right. Like it was designed like a very creative space. But everyone came in, sat at their desk in the little open space. All of these bean bags, I never saw anyone sit on a bean bag. I never saw anyone mm. actually play ping pong at the little ping pong table. And it, like everyone was really boring and hated being there. Um, and those things were the wrong things to have focused on first. So spaces are, are one of the things that I use an excuse for not doing Do you? stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, if only I had an office I could close up yeah. and go and be awesome in, yeah. I would do A, B, and C. Uh-huh. All right. And I think, so So that's probably an excuse I'm using for a lot of the things I really don't want to be doing but should. Right. Um, but when it comes to like podcasting, you know, there's there's some hard requirements there. Sure. Like, I need this fucking room to be quiet. Yeah. It would be nice if there wasn't a taxidermy duck inside of it scaring my friend Sam. <laughs> you know, like... Do you like, notice how much more calm I am today <laughs> that we're not in the room? It's taxidermy duck. It's God, I hate that fucking room so goddamn dude, much. It's so depressing. Anyway, yeah. we're not in that room. But, but so, I think it depends on what you're doing as right. well. Like, yeah. if I want to make a podcast, need a goddamn studio. This right. is far from it, but it's but a darn sight better than... Eh. You could do that from a beach in Cancun, which yeah. is increasingly what people do. And fuck you if you're not happy. Yeah. Except the thing that <laughs> I've that I've realized is that, that is really the most important. And I've like this year I've been thinking a lot because I've I've moved and kind of moved and left some of my, my the the friends that I that I would see every day and, you know, now spending time with different friends and thinking a lot about how your day is really made up with the other people that you interact with in such a crucial way, yeah. which is the one problem with the kind of, you know, working from, from the beach in Cancun theory is we really do need other people around us. And I know I need a lot of people around me a lot of the time to not just become a totally dysfunctional person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, that's true. Yeah. I'm looking up the hard jobs guy. I think that was the dirty jobs. That dirty was jobs. Oh, that was a great show. So I, I was on a German battleship uh, two weeks ago, which was of course. amazing. So there was a whole sea, a, a seamen festival in Simonstown <coughs> um, with actual seamen and just all over the streets. And um, it was so just fascinating, though, sitting in the in the what do you, what do you call it? It's not like a flight deck. It's like a sea deck of the battleship where all the control the controls are and the big steering wheel isn't it called the bridge oh, it could be the bridge the big button that says blow shit up like all of that stuff right um, and it was amazing because there were so many little small signs of human life in the ship even though you know military ships are very st- sparse places no one has put up a fucking pot plant anywhere on like why are they not allowed pot plants they basically live on these things well what would you water it with Water from the ocean. You can't put seawater on a plant and die. I mean, okay, but like a picture or something. It's so stark. (laughs) It's like they they need like beanbags, honestly. 
They need a little ping pong table. Yeah, in that situation, it could only help. <laughs> no, but it was so And also, maybe less people would die as a result of them pushing buttons. Yeah, if they were just, you know, had more other stuff to distract themselves <laughs> with. But it was really cute, though, because there were, like, these little, like, sketches on the, on the window of the ship where, obviously, in long voyages across the oceans, the guys were freaking bored, you know, even though they were German soldiers or seamen, you know, not, like, not even any kind, but German kind. So, supposed to be very serious. And they were, like, little joke messages up everywhere and you think these guys live on the ship and this is where they work symptoms of ptsd everywhere intense Mm -hmm. intense just scratch were these did it look like perhaps these were etched into the window with fingernails (laughs) (laughs) i was actually thinking though seeing these guys that like in my moments of most angst about and ennui about the contemporary world that wouldn't the idea of joining the army feel like such a relief to just have to give up any necessity of deciding anything about your life. You wake up in the morning, you know what you're going to wear, you yes. know what you're going to do that day. All of the social hierarchy is very fixed and very clear. Yeah. You are, you have scheduled fun time. And if and you try and do anything where, else, you get kicked in the face. Yeah, exactly. Like you don't, well, you wouldn't have time to like worry about like, what am I doing with my life? Mm. Does anything have meaning? Why are we here on this little planet hurtling towards a big exploding star? Yeah. You know, like... All of that existential bullshit is actually a luxury that yeah. we've developed very recently. Before then, it was like, if you're not growing rice and trying not to be eaten by a predator, yeah. um, then you're being stabbed by another human being. Right. You know, and those are your, that's pretty much going to fill you your day. Yeah. That will keep you occupied. Yeah. You will not sit there for a few minutes going, <laughs> <Yeah>. what am I? <laughs> and I alive. Like, yeah. You're fucking alive. <laughs> be grateful. I feel like there's going to be this backlash. Like, we're going to have, like, another 10 years of hardcore hipsterness of, like, everyone being really self-fulfilled and whatever and then everyone's just going to want to join the army because we're going to be so tired of experiencing this deep profound the choice paralysis army. yeah the hipsters are going to need an army if they're not careful why <laughs> to look after <laughs> themselves to stop themselves from getting stabbed <laughs> so much hipster hate i don't i don't hate hipsters well, i think hipsters hipster. might save the world i'm, I'm not a hipster I, we're both hipsters it's where is my moustache we are making a podcast right now and you had a man bun until where like a is month my moustache where is my hair where are my you do tattoos have scruffy where's beard. my fucking flat white and my fixie bike but isn't being my a self-loathing about lifestyle where are these things as opposed to design whatever i don't know what any of this means <laughs> I don't know that any of this is helpful. So Mike Rowe, Mike Rowe is the guy. I, yeah. I think Mike Rowe needs more airtime. He was the Dirty Jobs guy. He hosted Dirty Jobs mm. on whichever. I'm going to say Discovery Channel. Probably wasn't. Um, but uh, he, he, he has some deeply philosophically smart things to say about work mm. and happiness mm. and you know the, the fulfillment you get from your job. Because mm. you know in his profession, a lot of those jobs are like you know cleaning septic tanks right. below trucker stops in in the middle of uh hell and um and i don't have more to contribute about micro than that so wait what did he write a book what were you saying he did a ted talk um, and he's really he he started a, a a site which i need to look up but basically if i understand it right he's going you know we are in, living in this society right now where everybody's told to follow their hearts mm. and run off and become an artist, which yeah. is fucking cool. But yeah. um, but there are some things that need to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and some of those things will not only make you rich but make you very happy doing as well but right. it doesn't look yeah. like it from the outside yeah, yeah. profoundly disconnected is his huh. uh, website profoundly disconnected.com i went had a, an incredible lecture uh, at yale by a uh, a professor called amy Rzenshewski. I'll put sure. her name up in the show notes so people can go look. It's a very common word. name in yeah, Czechoslovakia. Of course. It's basically um, like Smith. Rzenshewski. <laughs> That's but it. She was amazing. And she writes a lot about meaning and work and how people find meaning and work. And she did really interesting long term studies um, in a hospital. And what was really interesting is that she found that it's very much a personal thing as opposed to a job function thing. So she spent years researching this hospital as a focus as like her, her you know, uh, little Petri dish and found that of the doctors, for example, so they're all like, you know, really high paid people with serious jobs that society respects. Some of them were really doing it to make a difference in the world. Some of them were doing it for the money and the security. Some were doing it for like social esteem. And she, I think she has like six reasons that she identified that are like the reasons people do jobs. What was so interesting is that when she spent time with the janitors and the cleaning staff, she found a similar breakdown in their self-described reasons for doing what they did. And she found that there were some cleaning staff who really felt like what they were doing was they were really making a difference in the world. And they felt really good about their jobs because they were like, we keep the hospital clean. We keep people healthy, you know. And equally, janitors who were there and they were just like, well, it's a job and it pays me my salary. So that the, And she found that the ratio of people who said the one versus the other was pretty similar at every level. That's so interesting. Maybe it's like mindset not maybe it's you maybe it's us not yeah. whatever we happen to be doing maybe mm. you can find meaning in anything that you do yeah if you, you're wired to find meaning your severe discontent has nothing to do with your boss mm-hmm. unless he's touching you inappropriately and it's bad or sometimes that can be quite fun that he should when your boss touches you inappropriately if you're into that how at least half of all porn know. movies that I've watched. Most, most people go go very far to their way not to touch me. <laughs> so, can't comment. They just walk around you in the street. Although, Christo. <laughs> no, not quite. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Everything you said is true. <laughs> and smart. <laughs> so smart. We need to do this over beer. We need to do this over Every beer. time. Every time. So, tell me about interesting things that you found I, um, this week. I haven't found any... Well, I, sp- I mentioned uh, the Steve Jobs myth earlier, and mm. I usually diss people who follow the cult of Steve. Um, but I, I'm also one of them, so I guess yeah. I get to. Um, so I've been reading the new Steve Jobs book, mm-hmm. the one that Johnny Ive doesn't use as toilet paper, mm-hmm. the one that Laureen Powell Jobs actually, that's Steve's wife, actually agreed to speak to the authors of. Mm-hmm. And it's called Becoming Steve Jobs. Mm. And um, and I'm enjoying it. I, I enjoy reading about Steve. I think, you know, he was an interesting guy who did interesting things. You know, I don't think he's some uh, form of demigod like yeah. he often gets painted as. I also think it's it's dangerous to try to imitate Steve Jobs. Like, I think it's it's a, it's a dangerous road to, like... It's it's kind of... There's a cargo cult of Steve Jobs, I think. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's like, well, if we are assholes in the same way that Steve was an asshole, then that's the trick. That's how we can, you know, change the world. Well, and, and uh, uh, I think a big theme in the Steve Jobs story is the idea that... Um that some people's gut feeling about how things should be um, supersedes data-driven decision-making. Mm. Um, that there's some people who just know, like, this product's going to work. That color's the right color for it to be in. Mm. Sit down, shut the fuck up, and make it. Mm. Um, 
and and in a way it's the apple versus google uh story you know yeah. apple makes propositions to the market uh. um whereas google kind of tests and learns and iterates and mm. I, I not that i i don't think apple iterates but i think they do all of that stuff internally um, and I think a, a lot of their decisions are guided by opinion. Right. Um, very fierce opinion with, yeah. you know, a hell of a lot of uh, charisma and conviction. Mm. Um, but it's interesting, a character like Jobs very much, you know, he, he, he sort of believed in objective uh, taste and style, that these, right. these were immutable things yeah, and yeah, that yeah. some things were classy and tasteful and yeah, other yeah. things were not. And he knew what those <laughs> things were, you know. He was a visionary. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's fascinating um, because in, in just about every business I've been involved in, I've mm. seen that clash, mm. you know. Mm. It's, a, it's an ideological struggle between mm. people who think that they know how it is and how it should be versus right. the people who... Th- don't acknowledge that they don't know, but that they could learn yeah, yeah. Uh, from the world around them. Yeah. Huh. And again, like all the things we talk about, the answer is probably both. Possibly. Or in the middle. Because, yeah, because data-driven decision-making can also lead you down the wrong yeah. road, which is why you have to be so careful what you measure. Data is really you know? dangerous. Just yeah. because you have an, a score for something doesn't yeah. mean that it's important. Yeah, doesn't mean that you are looking at the right thing. But yeah. because our our brains are built to try and find meaning where there is none, yeah. um, you know, the moment mm. we can score something, the moment we can mm. measure it, mm. um, it, it almost, to our monkey brains, becomes immediately important. Right. I mean, data also can only tell you about things that already exist enough for you to have data about them right like you can't data is never going to help you make the next big intuitive leap yeah um yet i mean maybe maybe machines will get smart enough to do that ultimately i'm sure they will yeah but yeah. you know there already are machines that write poetry pretty good poetry Absolutely. and buzzfeed articles and that win jeopardy games <laughs> oh my god i read the most crazy buzzfeed article this morning i'm not even ashamed like you know some people are like oh my god BuzzFeed. wait wait i know what it was it the was guy about the, the guy yes who, ah! who, who chased his stolen iphone to china where he became amazing. a celebrity what a great story about our connected world i wouldn't have believed that story unless he but it, it's accompanied by so many photographs mm, that mm. It, it's obviously true but what but a great just, story. Like, you don't understand, like, or I don't understand, like, what resonates in Chinese culture. Like, it seems like stuff, like, the, the sense of humor is just so different. Humor is so culturally specific there. Yes. That, like, they just seem to find that, like, incredibly entertaining and amazing, that story. And they just, like, he was a celebrity. Yes. So the, so the story goes that yeah. this guy was in a bar in New York mm. and somebody stole his iPhone. Mm. And, like, a full six months later, if I remember the story correctly... Um, somebody else's photographs just started showing up in his stream. Um, because but this really friendly-looking Chinese guy is standing in front of orange trees all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it turns out that his stolen phone was obviously resold to somebody in China, but without them deleting yeah. his accounts from it. So <laughs> those photos were just making their way into his iCloud photo yeah. stream. Yeah. And, and vice then, versa. And vice versa, yeah. yeah. And, and so the story evolves to these two human beings <laughs> who were brought together by a stolen phone yeah. uh, and became celebrities yeah, yeah. in China. And amazing friends. So the yeah, American uh, goes over to China and gets like a, ce- a celebrity welcome and he, he bonds with the Orange Street guy, takes him around his country and they're like dignitaries because they're so famous there. Yeah. And they just become like really amazing bros. It's just it's such a sweet story. But it was also, in a way that's almost too good to be true for them, yeah. a story about Sino Weibo. Yeah. Because that's the big social network in mm. China. So mm. if you're in China, you probably aren't on Facebook. Mm. You know, it's banned half the time anyway. Um, you are probably not on Twitter. And there's good reasons for it, like language constraints mm. are one of them. Um, and your government banning them is another. <laughs> 
Um, but Sino Weibo, um, or just Weibo, is is the big social network in China. Mm. Um, Apparently declining, though. Yeah, so yeah. WeChat is is, mm. is taking over, which I don't fully understand because mm. Weibo does a lot more than WeChat does. Yeah. And, but maybe that's why WeChat's winning. But anyway, um, so I, I'm on Weibo and I can't really use it for anything useful because they haven't... Everything's <laughs> in Chinese. So you can see they've put some thought into foreigners perhaps yeah. using this. But yeah, yeah. for the most part, uh, anything you try and do in Weibo presents you with a menu of Chinese items. But that's awesome. That, like, why should they all be in English? Well, so this, this BuzzFeed... Yeah. Um, guy matt Mm. he's one of the first westerners who's figured weibo out Mm. like he doesn't speak chinese but he managed to get a presence on weibo and by offering video english lessons or something yes so he he made he actually yeah yeah he started making youtube videos of of him learning or or of him Mm. teaching people to speak uh, english but the amazing thing i think as well about the chinese culture is they will check out things from people who they don't know. Yeah. Whereas Westerners are less inclined to do that. So right. I think, you know, any a lot of people living in places like South Africa and England and Australia and the USA um, will have gotten Skype chat requests from people in China yeah. who want to practice their English and just talk to strangers. Yeah, yeah. A lot like we did when the internet was still new. Like yeah. as a teenager, I would get onto the internet and just try and talk to strangers. Absolutely. Chat rooms, man. Yeah, and oh, just meet new joy. people. Yeah. And that seems to be something that increasingly... Um, you know, in the Western world, in inverted mm-hmm. commas, mm-hmm. people don't do. Right. Like now they've turned to using the internet to only speak to people they know, which yeah, is yeah. super ultra boring. Although, I mean, what it does do, like I've, I've had a lot of experiences recently also, you know, being in a new city of meeting people in person that I've engaged with on Twitter before um, because they're like weak social ties. Like we have mutual friends and, you know, so it does that thing. But it certainly doesn't connect you to like a Hungarian in the way that we used to with chat rooms, you know. Right. Yeah. But so Although in fairness, most of those conversations were like, hey, big boy, big cock 39-inch, <laughs> whatever. What are you wearing? R, whatever. Yeah. I was never good at sexting, as you can tell. Not not, <laughs> not a lot of meaningful discussion. Yeah. But but so Weibo seems to have been designed, and, and again, this is just you know my anecdotal, not speaking Chinese uh, experience of it. It seems to have been designed um, for this kind of serendipitous conversation. That's so interesting. You know, like I posted something to Weibo just to see how it worked, mm. and literally within seconds, there had been 16 views on it. Hmm. Um, because it's got this sort of like a master timeline, it seems, of things just scrolling past. That's interesting. Um, and yeah. so something needs to immediately grab attention right. or not. Yeah. But it'll be given the time of day on Weibo. I think Weibo. that's why Reddit is still so loved by so many people. You know, it's like one of the few places where you, it still introduces randomness into your life. Right. Yeah. Or can. Yeah. We don't introduce enough randomness. Maybe again, this comes back to spaces and designing spaces that allow for. Sorry, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to loop it you all really back. You really don't have to. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't have to. Um, okay. It's my narrative instinct. So, uh, that article on BuzzFeed. Was yes. Cool. We'll put a link to it in our show yeah, notes. Yeah, it was really fun. If people were looking for the show notes, Sam, where do you where where do you think they'd find them? Uh, you know, I think if they went to a browser and their fingers like touched the letters in precisely the combination that was takebacktheday.co mm-hmm. they might find them there I don't know it's probably a good bet yeah they could even google take back the day and just you know see what that well gets maybe them. because like we've not SEO'd anything so oh that's how we know it'll work <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we should probably also mention your Patreon campaign. Yes. So, and we have wonderful, excellent humans that have that have started supporting us. That's right. Incredible. The and people we love, we love all most of you. in the world. We yeah. don't, don't know any of their names, but <laughs> no, we do. Charus was our first. He was our first, and he's officially my favorite human being in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he he loves us enough to think he that was he number wants one. To support us. He was number one. The proto supporter. The proto supporter. Well, yeah. there we go. We've got to take that guy for a beer. Absolutely. Yeah, man. I don't know where he is, is, but Charis, wherever you are, tell us where you are. There's a beer waiting we'll for take you. you. Yeah, we'll take you for a beer. Yeah. So um, Patreon is a platform where you can give people money to do stuff, and we're doing a podcast, and you can give us money if you want us to carry. Is on that doing what that. we're doing? I thought we were just having conversations. We're just having conversations <laughs> that end up on the internet. Weird. Yeah, so people can people can support us and help us get a studio. That is our first goal. Yeah, yeah. We're having space. conversations on the internet. The space is important. That's all we got for you. Yeah, and <laughs> if you'd like to help us do this more often, yeah, can't imagine why. Oh wait, no, that's our first goal: weekly podcast. Hey, yes, yeah, that's a lot of commitment. Yeah, but, but I will do, do it. We can do that if people value what we're doing. I think we can we can give them a podcast a week. Absolutely. Okay. My dream, my, my in my in my fantasy life, I imagine the space in which we eventually have like a hardcore research team of like twelve yes. who are combing, reading every single link on cybers. What's it, Sino Weibo? Sino Weibo. Sino Weibo. They're Chinese. finding us the coolest shit in fucking in Mandarin. China. Yeah, and then and, we can tell you about it. And then we will put it on our conversation. Yes. In our conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. what totally what will happen. Hmm. Anyway. How much money would we need for that? Dude, I don't know. A lot. A lot of money. Although we do live in a country where labor is cheap. Exactly. So I'm told. And there are all these cl- students who don't want to study anymore because universities are terribly racist. So maybe we can just get some of those guys. There we go. Yeah. Research graduates. Totes. That's what we need. And if you help us, we can get that. Search for Sam Beckbess and take back <laughs> on, uh, Patreon. on Patreon. Yeah. Or you can search for Take Back the Day. But it's like page 192. And then go to page 192. <laughs> Click on it. So my name is, is better because there aren't that many book messengers in the world making conversations on the internet. In Absolutely. fact, I suspect there are exactly one. Well, I can't verify. <laughs> but that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, Simon. All right, Sam. <laughs> that sounded very final. Well, I mean, we can, we can keep no, talking shit cool. for hours. It's all good. You know us. <laughs> you know we can. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.